I'm Kelsey Stein, owner of Vala Creative Co., a creative agency specializing in website design and branding. Are you finding yourself constantly scrolling online for tips on marketing, mindset, time management, and other ways to bring your business to that next level? Well, we have got you covered. In this podcast, I speak with amazing business owners and entrepreneurs who are ready to share their personal journeys and expertise to give you the tools to grow your business with confidence. Get ready to feel inspired. This is the Lay the Course podcast. Thank you so much for being here, Kira. I'm super excited for you to help our audience with all things HR, hiring, and your whole spectrum of offerings. So if you just want to go and tell us more about yourself. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thanks so much for having me. Um, so I've been like messing around with chat GPT, like I'm sure all of us have. And I was like on it yesterday looking up like, what is HR? Which like maybe doesn't set me up to be the authority for today, but you'll get it <laughs> after a second. And it was like, you know, very like dry and like, here are all the things we help with, which, you know, HR, well, we'll talk about HR touches every part of your business. Like we're very um, informed on even like our clients offers and their profit margins and all of that. That's how we make hiring decisions. But, um, then I looked up what is people operations? Because that is how I identify myself. I am an operations. I was a director of operations, um, moved into kind of the all encompassing role of HR within a small business here in San Diego, small being 50 people in person, over two locations, um, a child-based organization. So it was like very like, you know, a little bit of everything. Um, (laughs) And you just kind of like become, once you kind of sort the operations out, you realize how impactful the people are. And so we take a very operations-driven focus to HR and HR compliance at my company, Paradigm People Operations Consulting. Um, But yeah, so that's kind of the vibe. I mean, we, it's sort of like a huge part of my identity now is helping small businesses get over that hump and get Mm -hmm. into like a phase of growth. But also I am a, I don't want to say victim, but I'm a victim of burnout to the point of being diagnosed with PTSD and learning how to delegate and use my team better, um, changed my life. And so I'm a little bit of like a walking success story of how effective people operations can not only impact your longevity in your business, but also your quality of life. And most of our clients will say that having a team is their favorite part of owning a business. And that's what we want. That's all. Um, that's the whole point of what we're doing here. Oh my gosh. Okay. I love all of that immediately. And I love <laughs> not like, I'm going to tell you what forms to use, but like, I'm going <laughs> to help your longevity and avoiding burnout because that is so real. And I feel like so real in kind of this like day and age of like go 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 and like constant communication constant touch um so you started your business what was kind of the backstory when you started what was that like Oh yeah, that's a great question. Paradigm is a COVID baby. Um, so we, my, the business I work for here in San Diego, I'm currently the COO, um, and now have a team of six people of managers and directors under me that manage our, our company of approximately 50 employees. And so I work there one day a week, but during COVID we had to shut down the entire business. I had to lay off 50 people. Um, you know, the whole thing, flex all the HR muscles and all the people muscles and just kind of have, this is going to sound so crazy, but I had my first 
break. Like I felt mm-hmm. like adult summer break. Like I remember one of my employees seeing my Instagram story and I was like, I am reading books. I am getting tan. Like <laughs> I am like training my dog. Like I haven't had a break since I entered the workforce like 12 years ago. So mm-hmm. to be able to have a moment to like think about what my purpose was and how to take the experience that I've had to help other people. Like I started to talk to small business owners and I did some consulting here and there, but like to give you context, I didn't know what a s- online business was. I didn't, I thought that was like Rodan Fields, like face wash situation. And I was like, I'm not really into that. <laughs> you know, like I get my face wash from, you know, Target, <laughs> but it was very much like a, a like blue wide open, like this whole place where we can have an opportunity to affect people from all over the place, stretch my HR muscles and learn more than just California HR, which is where I'm based, but really understand how, how compliance works in all the different States. So the business was really born out of a, a need for me to like get to the next level, but also as a response to slowing down, you know, Mm -hmm. during COVID and, I had been already working on myself for such a long time based on the the burnout and the PTSD that we talked about already that I felt like I was just like in this weird place where it was like, you've done all this really hard work on yourself and there's all this chaos going on in the world. And like, you have this creative energy. And when you're in charge of 50 people or one person, really, there's a lot of energy that goes into those people every day that I suddenly had. So after the first few weeks and we were like, oh, we're really buckling down, <laughs> like, It was like, where am I going to put all this energy? And then I just started to like, I guess I just didn't think I had it in me to, to really like embrace the consultant in me. And Mm -hmm. until I realized like I was seeing this whole new way of doing business and I was like, oh, well I could help all these people with all their problems. Like I've, I've unfortunately dealt with all of them, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. from someone doing heroin in the bathroom to a really major client complaint to how to make sure that we're setting up processes on the back end that are because we're in California. There's so much compliance, you know, making sure we're preventing that. Um, but also like we work with kids. It has to be fun to be at work. So mm-hmm. like, can I bring that energy to these businesses with small teams? And it was, I know that it's like a bit of a long winded answer, but when you give yourself some freaking space, <laughs> you know, to have a break, like beautiful things can happen. And so it's almost like I'm trying to create that space for business owners now, like give them their like adult summer break to like reach the next level and reach the new heights because that's, I just felt like so fulfilled in those months. And since, ever since, you know, just being able to be creative in my business, you never think of a HR pro being like a creative person, but oh, we no, have I it in us. Stuff <laughs> and all of us very creative, but I love, okay. So, and we just talked a bit about this, like right before we hit record, but adult like summer vacation, I just took my <laughs> first vacation And I don't know how many years where I didn't plan on like working or checking my email. And I ended up checking my email one time and it was a full week. And the only reason I could do that is because I hired my first employee last year and I have contractors in place. And so Mm -hmm. like coming back from, I was like, okay, that needs to be an annual thing because I feel so refreshed, like ready to tackle everything again. Like it is the key to sustaining healthily. Mm Like, there's like compliance things with hiring. Um, like for me, I was like, 
uh, my, what was it? My payroll tax <laughs> was a quarter late because I just didn't know certain things that I had to do. What are some of those like first things you hit when you're helping someone like hire their first employee that's like, you need to think of this? Oh yeah, that's a great question. It's funny too, because it literally changes like every week. Like we were just <laughs> on a call earlier. So I'm like, it's definitely making sure you have your paid time off situation sorted before you hire somebody. But like, if you would have asked me last week, we would have been dealing with a totally different issue. Like <laughs> you definitely want to make sure that you have, you know, their KPIs in place or something like that. So there's so many, I, I mean, I think when we're starting out with hiring our first employee, which I ironically, I think is probably the most impactful thing you can do for your business. I mean, I'm a little biased, but taking that step and going anything other than having an employee as a solopreneur. So the mindset is like so different. So I think not to, you know, be a little woo about it, but I think the most impactful thing you can do at the beginning is just make sure that you prepare yourself to understand that this is a new way of viewing your business and adjusting your mindset accordingly. Um, because then when you hit those challenges or those roadblocks or, you know, those <clears throat> little issues that come up along the way. It's like, yeah, well, I've adjusted my mindset to know that this is what's going to happen. But as a result, I get to go on vacation. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of like when you step into it and you're like, yeah, I'm creating a little bit of space, but those things are not going to scare me. They're just going to be a new challenge that I have to figure out and accepting that that's part of it. Like you can't avoid it. it you can't outsource it. You can't totally give it off to someone else. You take on a new responsibility as a CEO when you hire. Um, and it's honestly kind of hard to sell because there's a lot of quick fixes out there in our industry and online business and, you know, small business. There's a lot of like, let me patch this on for you kind of thing. And mm -hmm. I mean, growing a business is hard for a reason. And one of the reasons it's hard is because to grow a business, you have to have a team. <laughs> and that means a whole new set of responsibilities. So if you only did one thing to prepare for it, and it was something that and I was I had, you know, I don't know, a couple of hours to hang out with you and get you prepared, it would just be, let's just get your mindset right before you make any of these moves or any of these decisions, because that is going to impact everything from your company culture the way you manage, to the way you interact with your team, the expectations you set. And at the end of the day, that's what's going to get you the ROI on the people that you're investing in. Oh, yes. It's so much more than just a checklist of you registered like your employees certain places. <laughs> so what are some yeah. of those mindset things that you would instill? Like things that I think of on the top of my head are like having difficult conversations, like hiring the right person. Like what are you looking for? Like when you haven't done an interview before or things like that, do you work with people on that? Yeah. So we always start with the foundational pieces. I, HR slash people operations is essentially built of two different sides. One is HR compliance and making sure that you're following the laws and you're respecting the labor laws in your state. Um, and you are aware that you can, if you don't have your compliance in place, then that will kill your business. Like literally a $250,000 law, uh, lawsuit for <laughs> one email that you send or one Slack message or one conversation you have um, that destroys small businesses. And that's what we're trying to prevent without totally freaking anyone out. So there's my scary story for the day. Please know HR is important. However, <laughs> the other side of HR is the fun side, which is when we get to talk about how your people are going to work within your business in order to help it grow. And so I think that probably the first 
I guess, decision or the first step that you want to make is to think about the big picture of the business and what that first hire is going to do and how they're going to fit into the structure of the delivery to your clients, or if they're going to be administrative, how they're going to deliver to you and being really crystal, crystal clear on that. Um, And also just knowing that that first, that hiring for the first time experience is a unique and a once, you know, you do it one time experience and it's really hard, but every other employee is not your first employee. So there, you're never going to have that again. So like a lot of people approach it in a way that's, it sucks because there's so many beautiful growth lessons that come with having that experience, but they're not often in a place to have the time because they're hiring to fill, like put a bandaid on a bullet hole. And so it, we're pressed up against the wall and we can take care of all that compliance for you. But there is an element where we have to pull from your energy as a CEO and make sure that we're helping you decide what's next for your business so that you can staff accurately for it. It -hmm. does not help you to just put a bandaid on a bullet hole. That's just pointless. Like if that's what you want to do, allocate that funds to a contractor or a VA or something like that, because that's what they're there for. And that's what they want to help you with. But if you know, you're ready to build up to that next step, sometimes we have to put a bandaid over a bullet hole to get us in the right space to make sure that we're making that really profitable decision for our first employee. And then just know it's hard the first time, but it gets easier every single time and it becomes like clockwork and you learn new lessons along the way. Oh, yes, definitely. After the first time makes much more sense that it's easier because you know the certain things to do as well as like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. And I love when you said profitable. So like one question that I have, like when you, you said you work with businesses on like looking at their budgets and when to hire, when should you not hire an employee? Like what, like when you have your profit margins, when you have things, when it's like, oh, I need to hire to help with this, but it's like, can you really afford them? <laughs> Yeah. Well, most of the time, a an employee is going to be more affordable than contract support. I would say, unless you're getting a contractor from another country or that's like, you know, m- not based in the US and it's very like kind of task rabbit type of tasks, those are great to hire contractors for. I mean, the best and the most like the perfect team design is always a core team of people that are showing up every day for your business. And then we're supplemented by experts and specialists. Mm -hmm. Um, At first, we might not be supplemented by experts. We're just supplemented by people that can help us do those tasks and help us flex that muscle. But you do get to a point and you will get to a point with your either your personal growth or what you want to direct your attention towards where you want to have somebody that's in the fold of your business and you're able to collaborate with them and you're able to trust them and you're able to count on them every single day. Um, your business and the law will tell you what that, what that is. So the biggest discrepancy I see out there is that we see a lot of people that hire people on as contractors that should be employees. Mm-hmm. And they're, I'm not going to lie. We have some clients that we don't talk about publicly um, that have gotten themselves into situations where they're they've misclassified contractors and they're paying huge penalties um, because the they should have been paying some of their payroll taxes for them or they should have, you know, had different things situated ahead of time to make sure that they were having access to healthcare or, you know, different things like that. There we don't necessarily have to pay for all of that stuff, but we are required as employers to bring awareness to it, to help people understand what their rights are. And misclassifying contractors is rampant in our industry. And it is, I hate to say it, but 
these businesses are getting picked off little by little based on decisions that are made to not take themselves seriously as a business and to exploit even unintentionally, most of the time unintentionally, other business owners and treat them like employees when they should be contractors. But your business will tell you what it needs. If you need somebody that, and you can, we have a couple podcast episodes about this because we could go on forever about that. <laughs> but federally, like the entire country, the entire United States and most other countries have very similar laws. Um, there are qualifications that you have to consider when it comes to how you want to classify somebody. And I usually say, if I know I need more than 10 hours of support per week, then I know I need an employee because that means I need to talk to them often. I need deadlines that are less than two weeks away. Mm -hmm. Um, I need them to be in my systems. I might even spend time managing them or doing performance evaluations or, you know, things like that. Those are all employee things. Mm -hmm. Contractors are like, Hey, like, I'm a contractor. You probably are classified as a contractor, Kelsey. They're like, hey, you're an expert. I need your support with these things. How are we going to get all of, all of this done? Um, can you tell me how to do it? Okay, great. Talk to you in a few weeks for the deliverables. That is, we, that's how we want to be treated. Like, I don't necessarily want my client being like, I expect this tomorrow. It's like, well, no, <laughs> you know, like we're both business owners here. Like we're both, you know, we both have the brunt of the responsibility and, mm-hmm. um, there is truly under the eyes of the law, there is no difference between a contractor and another business. So we have to make sure that we're treating them that way. And I had like this post go kind of not, I don't want to say viral. I mean, maybe it got five likes or something, but it was like, let the freelancers, Um, like let the freelancers be free because that's what they're doing. Like you have to make sure that you're considering that is their chosen path. And if they wanted to be an employee, they would be, and they would be getting their taxes paid for and they'd be getting their paid time off and they would be getting development and they would be getting all of that stuff. So it goes, it goes both ways, but there's a whole, we have a whole podcast on how to choose between an employer and an co- employee and a contractor. Mm-hmm. And if you just don't feel like you're ready, sorry, this is such a long winded answer. Um, if you don't feel like you're so ready to, <laughs> to, to have that employee, then you do have the option to tweak what you want from this individual to fit within the contractor category. Mm-hmm. Most of our clients have grown out of that tweaking. They've tweaked it all the way down to the point where they just can't get away from it anymore. And they're ready to, to really take it seriously and to make sure they're protecting themselves, protecting their team and starting to build towards something bigger. Most of the time we see them hire multiple employees in a matter of a few months. And usually they're spending a lot less money than they were before. So it's good to know, but it's also can be a little like tough and like showing up like, Hey, isn't this so fun to talk about? We get to have a team. And then everyone's like, why are you telling me I'm getting arrested? And I'm like, you know, this is the, this is the journey I've just chosen for myself. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the fun thing to talk about talking about, Hey, remember when we talked early enough that you didn't get arrested? (laughs) And not that they would get arrested, (laughs) but I mean, some of us, I'd personally rather get arrested than get a massive bill, you know, or have to Mm -hmm. go to court. Like we're not getting, nobody's getting arrested, but I Yeah, like certain business structures, like a single member LLCs. So if you got a huge fine, it's not bankrupting your business, isn't that bankrupting you? Like they can go after your assets, your house. Like, ooh, it is so hard and like, don't cut corners. Like, get an account, get a lawyer, get an HR person. Like, and yes. you compliant. Yeah. Um, I like one. So, one thing when you said, uh, like the time thing. So say you needed someone like 10 hours a week. Can you hire employees for 10 hours a week? Like what's the minimum of hiring an employee like hours? 
there isn't one. So there's, there's no minimum. Um, there are things that you want to consider, which opens up a whole conversation about company culture and, um, like kind of how you construct a job description and a job post to ensure that it's benefiting your company. Like there wouldn't be a reason to hire someone that is only going to work a couple of hours a week. There's usually better ways to (laughs) offload that time Mm -hmm. unless that's just the beginning. And we know that there's so much more that they can do. Um, But there is no minimum. And I think that's where people get a little bit hung up is that, They think, oh, I have to take on this whole journey of hiring a full-time employee with benefits in order to get some reliable support. That's absolutely not the case. Um, But there are things to consider with your company culture. Like, for example, we had a client that really wanted somebody that was dedicated to the business, but they didn't need them to work Mm full-time. So we were able to craft a job post and create a job description. So two separate things um, that called in applicants that were like, maybe not quite a hundred percent ready for a full-time gig. They liked the idea of working an hourly position remotely and kind of raking in those benefits of having a remote job and working for a purpose-driven company Mm -hmm. with opportunity to grow. Um, But also, making sure that the business could afford it. And we found that if you're able to give set that expectation that a position is between 25 and 30 hours a week, then they're likely going to have you as their primary focus and responsibility, which means that they're going to often want to grow with you. And then those little things that come up through the interview process, you can measure and, and think about your candidates and how this is adding value to them and things like that. But there is no minimum for how much an employee would work. It's just culturally, we generally want to make sure that we are being smart about where people are putting their time and also how they're contributing to our company culture and what we're building. Because company culture starts from the first person you bring in. It even, I would argue that it is a huge part of your the way that you run your brand. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, often yeah. <laughs> those values we have the way we've kind of built things out is that your internal values might actually look a little bit different than what you're putting out into the world, but there is a huge overlap and crossover, but we have companies that we work for that are like, we want all of our people to work part-time unless we're in the middle of a launch, which is four times a year and they get paid a full-time salary the whole year. And that's part of their company culture and the way that they wanted to build out their team. So we reverse engineered that value and we created a plan for them to be compliant, to create job descriptions and job posts that work with those values and that the company could afford it. So we know how much all their offers cost. We know how much it costs to run each of those offers, how much time Mm -hmm. people are spending to get into them, where their ad spend is going. Like the only way that you can build a holistic HR strategy is to make sure that you're taking the time to understand the inner workings of the business, especially for a small business. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Just planning for like, what does your growth look like? Can you support this for like what you want that vision to be? Like you don't want I mean, our huge thing is like happy people do great work. We don't want people to be burnt out. Like we don't, we want to create that everyone can have these long vacations. Like no one's super stressed about anything. And that really is like the holistic view of your whole business and how does it play in. Um, And I love that too, where people get hung up on like, well, I, I don't have 40 hours of work a week to support an employee, but you hire someone for 10 hours a week, maybe. I had another, uh, a, I guess it was a sales call last week and um, the designer we were talking to, I was like, can you just, I mean, I just wanted to like dig in a little further 
because we we do free consults and I want somebody I get literally people giving me a testimonial about our free consult like they're like <laughs> this was amazing I was like well I don't want <laughs> I don't want that but we do free consults because sometimes like it's just a quick 20 30 minute call and mm-hmm. just having another viewpoint in there can get them to that next level where they're like oh this has got me into the mindset and I was like just tell me a little bit about your offers and how you're pricing them and you know what your what's your monthly revenue and you know averaging it out stuff like that um our consults are meant to help people decide what they're ready for if we have mm-hmm. a product or a service or membership that works with that of course I'll pitch it but really I'll tell you you're not ready or whatever. <laughs> like I, I've worked with over 65 businesses now and I can tell you when it's going to work and when it's, when you're not ready for it emotionally mm-hmm. or whatever. And I was like, well, if you just, you know, up the price of your VIP day to 1750 and like, it was like a $300 price increase and mm-hmm. you could fit in one more of those a month. And she's like, Oh yeah, I have wait lists and I just can't handle that. Whatever. I'm like, just like maybe book one more of those a month. That'll pay for your employee for the month. And she was like, one VIP day. (laughs) And I was like, yeah. And she's like, and if I had somebody doing some of these tasks and then I could book like five more. I was like, that is the point. (laughs) Like (laughs) we're not out here trying to scare you. Like we're out here trying to be like, take it seriously. And the benefits are amazing. Like your people are going to help you get to wherever you want to go. And it's so much more fun to run a business with a functional team. Like, I'm sure you can speak to that. Like how, how, how do you feel about having your team? Do you love it? Oh my gosh. Oh, it's my favorite thing. Like I I just did a, an interview and they asked like, what are you most proud of? And it's like a hundred percent, like the team that we've like put together because like, it's just everybody's like complete zone of genius. So the product is like perfection because everyone's doing what they want to do. You're not forcing them to do things that they don't want to do. And I feel like everyone's so much happier for it. And it's fun. It's fun. Like it's putting together a puzzle, you know, and then it's, oh, look how this is all coming together. It is so fun. And then you get to like, there's, we've been told all this like weird nonsense and I don't know what you think about this, but like, there's so much like dumb advice out there for management. There's like, so so silly, like old white dude management books. And like, you know, not, not a lot of it is relevant. And we Mm -hmm. see people like if they don't have the strategy or the support to back them up, or even just that encouragement of like, yeah, you're doing the right thing. They, we get like sucked into this vortex of like, I have to be this way because that's the way that people told me it was to be a manager or a boss Mm. or a leader or whatever. And then they're like fighting against their true instincts as a leader because they're like, well, I can't be friends with my employee. And it's like, listen, people have asked me if you could be friends with your employees a lot of times. And I'm like, I mean, not in the exact same way that you can with like people that you lean on because you are responsible for their experience at work every day, Mm -hmm. but you can build really amazing and solid friendships. And I wouldn't want to do this business if I didn't get to do that. And I've had people working for me now in my corporate position for nine and a half years. If I wasn't their friend, like, wouldn't that be like, kind of weird like doesn't that kind of say something about the manager like to be leading a person for nine and a half years and like not consider them to be someone that you would call a friend like I don't know Mm -hmm. it's just kind of a weird thing and people get really freaked out by it because they think HR and they think oh 
I got to go like put on the blazer and like show up in this different way. And it's like, well, yeah, if you download somebody's employee handbook off the internet, you don't take any due diligence, then somebody else is building your culture for sure. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do that. It could be just the way you want it. Oh, true. And things have changed so much. And just like, I mean, the new emerging generations that are in the workforce, like, mm-hmm. like it is so different. Like you don't want to go. Yeah. Like, oh not being friends and just like working for some like a cold like robot person in a sense <laughs> oh my god oh uh, but I feel like maybe that's what it used to be like there had to be like that hard separation of like I'm the manager and you do these things and you can't push back at all that's such an unhealthy culture and I feel like retention mm-hmm. would probably be garbage and burnout and all those things of course I'm talking about an era that I didn't live in but I'm just thinking that's probably what it is when you reference those books <laughs> Yeah. Well, and it's, it's really common now. Like we get applicants that, so we have to remember as entrepreneurs that, and this is not a stat that I've looked up in the last year. So I could be lying, but 92% of people don't identify themselves as entrepreneurs, which means that 92% of people like my husband, for example, they want to show up and go to work and make their impact and enjoy their job and get their benefits and then clock out and go, you know, play basketball or whatever, (laughs) projecting a little. Um, And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But we as entrepreneurs always tend to think, especially when it's our first employee, that that's what employees want. They want to be entrepreneurs and we want another entrepreneur in our business. Like, no, Mm -hmm. true leadership is a definite, a definite like line between I'm showing up and doing the thought work and the leadership and being supportive to you while you are helping execute on my ideas. And there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of people want that stability and security. We've had people that we've offered jobs to for 20 bucks an hour and they've cried because it's a game changer. They can leave their bad home situation. They have hope. They don't have to go into an office where they're sexually harassed all the time or work as a server and be grabbed at every single day. Mm -hmm. Or like, this is the reality of a lot of women in Mm -hmm. that are, that would be be so happy and would work so hard and get so fulfilled by working for companies like ours. And that's why we're here. Like, we're not here to just push papers around. Yeah. You want to form? I got plenty of forms, <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, but how can we use that to help the situation as a whole? How can that be the last step to your strategy? How can that form be just something you do real quick? Like HR is something you do every single day, but forms are not. So mm-hmm. like, how do we marry those two things? Oh, so thinking kind of tangenting off of that, but like, um, like hiring your first employee, like they maybe don't want to be an entrepreneur, which makes complete sense. And how do you hire when it's based off kind of like initially that job description? How do you do those check-ins to be like, what do you really want this business to grow in for you versus like, oh, they probably want this because I want this. So let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's such a good, it's such a good question. I think initially when we're starting with our first employee, we are driving the ship. So we want to be clear, like consistent, like straightforward. We want to make sure they understand all of the ins and outs of what their their benefits are, their perks are, what their po- our policies are, all of that good stuff. Once we set that foundation, they have already agreed to the job post, which is going to talk a little bit more about who we are as a leader and what the business is doing. They've also seen your the general stuff that, you know, the general duties and how they're qualified and things like that. <laughs> um, and they've committed to that job description. So oftentimes people will think like, well, I have these job descriptions, like that's it. But really like within that first 90 days, it's our responsibility to turn that job description into something that this person is accomplishing every single day and giving them clear and decisive direction. However, 
the best first employees and the ones that work the best are the ones that maybe after that initial onboarding period, that initial kind of getting into the weeds of things period, we they start to like grow their own wings a little bit and we start to see their job change and we start to see where their strengths lie. And that's why I think it's so fun to see that who that second employee is, because that's when we start to not only have ourselves settling into our new role, but also our first employee. And then you generally, you know, if done right, then you will have generated revenue as a result of this hire within the first 90 days. Um, we can almost guarantee that. Like, I don't want to ever guarantee anything because I'm not like, you know, the OxyClean guy or whatever, but <laughs> we can almost guarantee it. And that second employee is reference. actually... <laughs> I don't, is he alive? Like, I'll feel bad if he's not alive. But anyway, um, someone died. Was it the pillow guy? I don't know. Whatever. Um, <laughs> anyway, there's like a, the second employee. It's so fun. Because then your first employee, you get to see like, hey, how can we expand on these strengths a little bit in your growth? And like, let's work together on building what the business needs now that you can see it too. Mm-hmm. And I just had a meeting this morning with my right hand, Kylie, and she started as a part-time employee, moved to full-time, now salaried. Like, I don't see this business working without her. She's become such a collaborative partner to me. I tell her, like, I am absolutely underwater. Like, we need to, I, these are the things I need to fix. What's your capacity? And she's, she'll tell me straight up, like, here's what we got for now. But then when it's time to hire the next person in this role or replace this contractor, or how can those things go together? It's so much deeper. There's twice as much knowledge there. So, like, give them the free freedom to have some autonomy and who else is coming onto their team and into their space. And through that interview process, you can really narrow down the right person just through the being really clear on the front end. And then starting to see that magic unfold for the second employee is one of my favorite things. Oh, yes. That's so exciting. That's so exciting. Like thinking of, yeah, just the growth of someone's business and those first like unknown steps that you're taking. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I mean, we're all motivated by different stuff and even the things that motivated me a year ago are not the same things that motivate me now. Like a year ago, I would have been like, I could work every day, all day. I love this. It's so much fun. Like, tell I can't wait to look up the Michigan new HR law, whatever. Um, <laughs> where now it's like, no, like what I really love is the creative part of things and helping, you know, moving into a different phase of myself as a CEO and my my professional, like my career and who I want to be. And also giving some space to my team members to have that same freedom. Like they're getting a lot. I'm not going to tell them what's going to make them feel rewarded and thanked, but I will ask them directly. Like there's a performative way of things, but then like a very direct way of things, like asking them like, Hey, like what will make you feel appreciated? And then making sure that you have the foundations to understand what you can provide for them. But Mm -hmm. that second layer, which they're not going to be able to tell you is how their investment is showing up in your business decisions. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's so unique to the first employee. Um, And it's so fun to watch them feel rewarded and bought in. And it just creates an even stronger bond for your business to grow on. Mm -hmm. Creating that solid foundation of, yeah, just like the start is so key. So Mm -hmm. I feel like these are all really like great, like having your first employee exciting and this and your business is growing. So what about the fear that maybe people have when it's, I have to hire this person because we're growing, but what if I delegate all this and then they leave? Mm -hmm. How do you plan for like the fear of, oh, all of that comes back on me 
and we've grown. So now it's like all on top. It's like two positions on one person because I feel like I've seen that so often where one, like larger businesses or small businesses, one person leaves, another person's not hired, it gets distributed and everyone's exhausted. Yeah. And I think that I hate to be like, people are always asking me like, what do you mean by company culture? But that's what I mean. Like Mm -hmm. when we have an environment where somebody feels safe, then they are allowed to leave and we're allowed to fire them. Everyone's Mm going to leave. It's okay. Like it's Mm -hmm. not a big deal. But if you have a culture that is cultivating space in order to make sure that it's done in a way that is productive for your business, then you can count on that when you are making these decisions and hiring out of fear of, you know, delegating and then having it come back on you is not going to be a great place to hire from. You want to hire from Mm -hmm. a place of confidence and also, yeah, you should plan that that person's going to leave, but it's not going to break your business. Like we just want to make sure that there's a culture where they feel safe enough to be honest with you and that you have enough white space on your team to temporarily offset any of the work that they're doing. But one of the things that we recommend is make try to work towards having your position be almost all white space mm-hmm. where you're creating and marketing and selling and showing up as a thought leader and adding in that surprise and delight for your clients. And if you are if not that those things are optional, but if you are able to create a space where most of the day to day tasks are run by your team, then you can show up in sales and you can pull that lever a little bit, slow down that part of your job, either disseminate the task, take them on yourself or find somebody else to help you with some of those things while you're preparing to hire somebody new. Mm -hmm. But really that position, and I, I know this feeling very well. um, We learn something every time we hire somebody. So no matter what, then the role will expand and grow as time goes on. So when the example I always use is I, my first assistant that I ever hired, um, was, I mean, it's been 10 something years now. She was, came into the interview in leather leggings. She was like 18, like basically showed up for this interview and didn't show up for her interview at like Sally beauty supply, like whatever worked, worked for me for a little bit, started to show some promise. I started to build some trust with her. I was like, Hey, I need some extra help with these tasks. She ended up being my assistant for five and a half years. The next person that filled that role, and I'm still friends with her, um, but the next person that filled that role was somebody that had a bachelor's degree. They were coming in and that role had expanded so much through her experience that when I put that next person in there, I wasn't starting from the beginning. The position was totally different. It needed somebody with a higher level of experience. There was more depth to it and more impact. So yes, of course, the culture built a situation where my first assistant gave me six months notice. Um, And so that is going all the way back to the beginning. The expectations, mm-hmm. the the relationship, the culture, all of that. But even if I my next assistant had his bachelor's degree, she stuck around for a couple years. Her personal life took her across the country, so she couldn't work in person anymore. Um, still have a great relationship with her. That's always my goal: is that when people leave, you have a great relationship with them. And that comes that doesn't that isn't to say that we're not having tough conversations along the way. It's just that they usually by the time I sit down with somebody, they're like, I know what this is about. And that's what we want. You know, they're allowed Mm -hmm. to make mistakes, but there's clarity on, I mess that up. You know, Mm -hmm. by the time she left my current assistant, who's now just been promoted to an operations manager, which I never thought I could find anybody that could do that role the way I wanted them to, which led to the burnout, but that's for another day. Um, (laughs) She has a master's in accounting. She has 10 years of experience under her belt. 
She worked for one of the big four accounting firms. Like she is absolutely killing the game. And this is the same exact position that I was hiring for 10 years ago. So people leaving the company isn't something to be afraid of. Let's mm-hmm. just like make the most of their time with us. And what ends up happening is most of the time they're so invested in the building of that role and the freedom we give them to expand that it takes them a really freaking long time to leave. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. And it all starts from the interview. Like the fact that I remember her answers from that interview 10 years ago. I remember what she was wearing. Like I saw this potential in her. You learn that through intentionally building out your policies and culture. And it bleeds into every decision that you make along the way. And that's not to say with every position, but I think almost always with all of these first employees or even second employees for your online businesses, or if you already have employees and now you're kind of taking a step back and regrouping and building out that strategy, mm-hmm. that's what that's what we're looking for. Those initial first steps and setting up that foundation to make sure that people are sticking around and hanging out with us for as long as possible. It's so much better for the business that way. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, I love all your answers too. They're like just so packed full of like info, but like stories and it's great. (laughs) Well, I just had lunch. Luckily you were so nice and you let me be five minutes late because I had to shove half an avocado down my throat immediately. So I feel like I'm super rejuvenated. I'm like, what do you got for me now, Kelsey? (laughs) No, that's perfect. Always before podcasts, like I shut everything down and I give myself like five minutes because when I first started these, I was so, so nervous, so, so shaky. It's much more natural now, but always like that little bit, like five minute little meditate before we start. So Mm -hmm. when you like, message me I was like yeah five more minutes <laughs> yes okay so yeah great. <laughs> I think I mean I wonder if that's like a thing because I you know I just started my podcast and I'm like maybe we should do that before every interview just like a five minute like cool down I listened to this really funny podcast about like Bravo Housewives and his name's Danny Pellegrino and he has this thing at the end where he does like a cool down where you do like a box breath <laughs> to like listen cool. to the whole episode I'm like in the car like doing I'm like, man, that crazy lady that's going to prison, <laughs> just like doing this big deep breath at the end. It's like, I don't know, maybe we should start doing that. It feels like aligned. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, no, I do. <laughs> well, so we're almost wrapping up this one. I can't believe how fast that time flew by. So I just have a couple more questions for you. The two that I always ask. Um, so one is like everybody listening, what is like one of the top highlights that you want them to take away from this episode? I just want people to take it seriously when they're starting to build their business and their team and and also just like see the hope in it. You know, like we can HR scary, but it's really fun. And it's actually at the end of the day, like the scary parts you forget about and the fun mm-hmm. parts and the lasting parts, like you really only have to set it up once. And there's so much potential once you do that. It's it should be a fun thing to think about doing and expanding. Oh, so exciting. And last time, what is one step? Like next step people can implement this week that is related to your zone of genius. <laughs> yes. Okay. This is a great question. And actually I have had a hard time. I mean, I'd love to just hear from any entrepreneur about this in general, but I've had a hard time with talking about employee handbooks because I really, mm-hmm. every business needs one, but not, I'd rather you not have one if you don't know what every word of it means. Um, so we kind of sidestepped it a little bit and we created this resource that is our six must have policies. So most handbooks have anywhere between 
40 and 80 policies in them. Um, sounds boring, but they're very great. They're your built-in bad cop. You get to blame it on the policies when you're managing people. Um, <laughs> but we have a freebie and it will actually explain what the six policies are and it'll guide you through writing them. Um, and then we also have like a done for you option as well. I think it's like a tripwire or something, but you can write them yourself when, and you can just download the freebie and see what those policies are and kind of start building out your own mini handbook or mini company policy guide. Um, even if you don't have employees yet, it's really good to make sure that you're starting to think like that. And mm -hmm. I think it starts to help that kind of kick in the pants mindset shift to start thinking, oh, like these are when people are hired, I'm thinking they're thinking all this. They're actually thinking about this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that what mindset shift. are we taking off? <laughs> exactly. They want to know. They care. You know, they want to know mm -hmm. and they want to be able to to trust you and to trust your business. And um, that guide is is awesome because it just tells you the purpose of each policy so that you can really make it your own. Do we recommend doing that for all of your policies? Definitely not. You're probably going to like do some discriminatory stuff in there on accident, <laughs> um, but it's a great start. And like, definitely don't start with nothing, um, especially when you're bringing people on. And yeah, there's so much opportunity for expansion. So it's, it's fun. It's meant to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. We'll definitely like lead, drop in the show notes that freebie lead people to you. Um, where else can they find you online? Well, Instagram obviously is kind of like my favorite place. I'm trying to be more mature and like be on LinkedIn, but I, it feels like pulling teeth. Um, <laughs> But Instagram, and if you have any advice on how to make those policies more fun and to make if, you know, if it was helpful to hear HR be framed in a better way, like that's, I feel like that's the struggle of my life. Like, mm -hmm. how do we show the value? But also I love being on these podcasts and hearing about other people's experiences. And so just mm -hmm. DM me and let me know like what was impactful for you. Cause it really helps us to get the message out there. It really does change the way that we have to work and mm -hmm. makes a huge, if we start setting a standard we could change the way that people show up to work and that's going to make everybody's lives better. So. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much. This is amazing. Uh, like so much value, so much things and things I didn't think about. Now I'm like, Oh, I should look into that. So, <laughs> so that was great. <laughs> Good. I'm so glad. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Lay the Course podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we would love if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to subscribe to not miss an episode. Also, connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bella Creative Co. and Lay the Course Podcast. Until next time.